Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, Andrew will be sharing about the importance of having a biblical worldview. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach through a brand new series that I've got entitled Biblical Worldview. It comes in a package like this that has this uh, study guide that goes through, and it has everything I'm teaching with, all of the statistics, all of the quotes, everything right here. This will really help you, and primarily, this is so that you can share these truths with other people. It's like a reference material, and this is really going to be good. I've already talked about how important a biblical worldview is, I've talked about the Word of God is the inspired Word of God. It's not a book by man about God. It's a book from God through man. And I gave a lot of statistics on that. And the last four days, we've been talking about creationism. Today, I'm going to start talking about the true nature of God because a lot of people have misunderstood the very nature and character of God. I tell you, this is going to help you. So watch this, and at the end of today's program, I'll come back on to share with you about how you can receive this brand new product. Today, I'm sharing my fourth topic in my teaching on a biblical worldview. And we started off just talking about how important a biblical worldview is. And I used a lot of statistics, many of them about the different levels of what people believe. And one of those was that only 9% of the U.S. population had a biblical worldview as defined by George Barna. I just heard a teaching yesterday where a man said that now the newest survey shows it's only 7%. So we can see that we are moving in the wrong direction, and that's the reason that I'm teaching on a biblical worldview. So that first teaching was just about how important it is to make sure that we look at the world through the lens of what the Bible has to say. It is a paradigm, a way of thinking. And so we talked about how important a biblical worldview was, and then, of course, the second teaching was if we're going to have a biblical worldview, we've got to believe in the Bible. We've got to believe that it is divinely inspired by God. And I spent an entire series just talking about all of the evidence for the Word of God being God speaking directly through man. It is not a book written by man about God, but it is a book written by God through man, and they were divinely inspired and moved along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote. And then we talked about creationism versus evolution. And I showed a lot of things. A lot of people think, well, you can believe in the Bible and yet not believe in creationism. And I showed you that you cannot. It is incompatible. And I also showed that we went from Darwin and many, many people who have moved this nation away from believing in the Bible, and every single one of them believed in evolution. We went through all of the communist leaders and despots throughout history, and we quoted many of them, Stalin, and these people said that the very first thing that they do is attack creation. 
and get people away from believing that there's a God. Therefore, there are no absolutes. Therefore, everything is relative. Therefore, we are God. We can establish what is right and wrong. And I tell you, this is a pivotal issue. And so those are the things we've already dealt with. What I want to talk about today is to talk about what is God really like? What is the true nature of God? And you cannot have a relationship with a person that you don't basically understand what their nature and character is like. You know, if you just knew about a person in name only, but if you had no information about them, well, then a person could come and lie about that person and accuse them of doing things that are completely inconsistent. And yet you would be susceptible to those lies. But if you really knew a person, if you knew what their heart and what their nature was like, then you would be able to refute those lies because you'd say, no, I know this person. For instance, my wife. I can guarantee you that, you know, my wife's not perfect. I'm not perfect, but I know my wife. And if you were to come and accuse her of doing certain things, I know whether she would even be capable of such a thing or not because I know her. We have to know God, and the way that we know God is through the Word of God. How we believe about God, what His nature is, will determine how we interact with Him. And sad to say, there is a lot of misinformation about God. A lot of it comes directly from religion. Religion has misrepresented God and presented a wrong picture of God that makes people susceptible to believing the wrong thing. The Lord doesn't force Himself upon us. We have to learn of Him. There's many, many scriptures like 2 Peter chapter 1 talks about grace and peace is multiplied unto us through the knowledge of Him. Then verse 3 says, "...whereby are given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him." Our relationship with God is based upon knowledge. And then verse 4 says that this knowledge has given us exceeding great and precious promises, which is talking about the Word of God. So the Word of God is how we know God. You don't just close your eyes and ask God to reveal Himself to you. Although prayer is important, but we have to know God through the Word of God. The Word of God is given to reveal Himself to us. So He doesn't force Himself upon us. We have to learn of Him and come to know Him. And then by faith, we relate to Him. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17 says, How can they know about God? And I'm paraphrasing. How can they know about God except somebody tells them? How can they tell them except they be sent? And this is, you know, what the Scripture talks about, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. And then verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So God reveals Himself to us through His Word. And if we have not been taught the Word of God properly, then we get an improper revelation of who God is, and it will affect the way that we relate to Him. We will misunderstand the nature and the character of God. Jesus Himself came to show us the Father, and many times He countered religion and showed them that the way that they had been representing God was completely wrong. And He said in John chapter 8, verse 32, "...and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." You put that together with John chapter 17, verse 17, where it says, 
Your Word is truth. God's Word is truth. And when we know the Word, then we know the true character and the nature of God, and that sets us free from all of the religious bondages that have been put upon people and the misrepresentations that they give of God. You know, I was brought up in church, and I got born again when I was eight years old. And I knew God as Savior, but I did not have God represented to me correctly. For instance, I was told that it was God's will that we suffer, that God is the one that puts sickness on us, problems on us, that these things make us holier. And I'm not going to spend an entire teaching. I've got teachings that cover every one of these things that if you would like to go into more detail, you can certainly follow them. I've got a teaching entitled The True Nature of God that will pretty much summarize most of the things that I'm going to be talking about today. But then I've got all kinds of other teachings that go along with this, and they deal with these uh, issues that are related, but not just the heart of what I'm talking about. But one of the things that was so detrimental in my life was a teaching on the sovereignty of God. And again, I haven't got time to go into this in its depth, so uh, I would encourage you to please get additional materials, especially if this shocks you, because when you say the sovereignty of God, there's many people that this is just unquestioned. This is one of the things that they've been taught, that God is absolutely sovereign and that nothing happens but what God controls it, wills it, even if the devil is doing something to us. I've had people say that the devil is like a dog on a leash and he can only go as far as God allows him. I think that that is the worst doctrine, the worst misrepresentation of God in the entire body of Christ. And there's multiple reasons for this. It says in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says you have to resist the devil and he will flee from you. The first part of that verse says you submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That one verse shows that there are certain things that are of God and you submit, you yield to them. There are other things that are of the devil and you resist them. A person who believes that God is sovereign, that everything is ultimately controlled by God, they teach that you submit to everything because it's God's will. There would be no such thing as resisting the devil and having him flee from us. I've actually had people who believe in the sovereignty of God who come up to me and they are so ticked off. They are so mad that they say, what you are saying is of the devil. You shouldn't be preaching this. And I just take their own teaching and turn around and use it on them. And I said, hey, I thought you thought God was sovereign. Everything that happened, God controls it. So I couldn't be preaching this if God didn't will me to preach it. (laughs) And I'll use their own doctrine. And immediately they'll say, no, God didn't tell you to say this. Well, right there you showed that God just doesn't control everything. I actually saw a television program where there were two women, a mother and a daughter, who were taken at gunpoint taken out to a remote place. They were both raped, and then the man made them lay on their stomach and shot both of them in the back of the head trying to kill them. The daughter was killed. The mother lived through it, and she had recovered even though she had some physical uh, things and, of course, a lot of emotional scars associated with this. And she was on this Christian television program saying that God did this, that God allowed it, that it had worked a purpose. And she basically was blaming God for rape and murder and attempted murder and all of these things. 
Now, most people wouldn't go that far, and they'd say, well, no, I don't believe God did that. Well, God is either sovereign the way that it's taught, that He controls everything, or He's not sovereign. You know, I believe in sovereignty if you use sovereign the way that the dictionary defines it, where it just means first in rank, order, or authority, supreme in authority. I believe that, that God is absolutely the top of the food chain. I believe that nobody can force Him to do anything. He does whatever He wants to, that God is absolute. I believe all of those things. But to say that God controls everything, that's wrong because the Scripture teaches us that God gave us control. He said, you rule over this earth. You subdue it. He put things under our control. God does not control us like a chess piece. Now, see, that's a misrepresentation of God. And because of it, there have been millions and millions and millions of people that have turned against God because of the tragedy that happens in their life. I could name one person. I'm not going to call their name. But this person was raised in the Presbyterian church, which Presbyterians are very big on teaching on the sovereignty of God. And anyway, this uh, man, as a young boy, was very close to his sister, and his sister got some kind of a disease and died. And of course, he is a young man. They were praying and believing God for healing, which is another contradiction. If you really are going to believe that God is sovereign, and if you say that everything that happens, it's caused or allowed by God, well, then why would you go to the doctor? Why would you take medicine trying to get well? Why would you do surgery? Why would you do chemotherapy and stuff trying to get out of God's will? If God willed for this, and if God is trying to break you or perfect you through this, well, then you just ought to submit to it. Now, see, again, that would be the logical thing. But this young man was praying for his sister to be healed. She went ahead and died, and the church told him, that, well, it must be God's will. God needed an angel in heaven, and they credited God with her sickness and death at a very young age. And this man said, if there is a God, I hate him. And he became a professed, sometimes he'll say he's an atheist, sometimes an agnostic. He is very influential now. And his stated purpose, he said, is to change the Judeo-Christian ethics of the United States. And he has movies, television, and he has done a very effective job of doing this. And you know why he turned against God? is because God was blamed for the tragedy in his life. And there are millions, probably billions of people that have been misinformed about God. Again, I've got other teaching that will go into more detail on this. I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg. But God does not control everything. Another real quick reference on this, just to make this point, is when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, it makes it very clear that God willed them to go into the promised land and to uh, possess that land and to uh, rid the land of all of the people that were under God's judgment and possess their houses and their land. And yet, when He told them to do this in the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers, the spies came back and said, oh yes, it's a beautiful land, it's fruitful. They brought back uh, a sample of it, and the great one cluster of grapes was so big, it had to be hung on a pole and carried in between two men. So everything that God said was true, but there were giants there, and they refused to go in. They said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight and in our sight. They disbelieved God, and God judged them. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness that was not God's will. 
I mean, that is as clear as it can be. Another scripture in the New Testament that goes along with that is Hebrews chapter 4, where it says we, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It was their unbelief that stopped them. It wasn't God's will for them to struggle the way that they did. Another very clear reference is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it says that God is not slack concerning His promises, as some man counts slackness, but He is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now that right there says it is not God's will for anybody to perish, and yet they do. Jesus even said that there would be more that enter in by the broad gate unto destruction than there are by the narrow gate unto everlasting life. And so God's will does not automatically come to pass. God does not control us. Everything that happens to you is not necessarily God's will. That is a misrepresentation. And again, I go back to you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. You know, I deal with a lot of people and I have seen many people lose people that they were praying for, and we don't always see God's will come to pass. But this doctrine on the sovereignty of God would come and say, well, it's, your, it's God's will that this happened. Like when my dad died, I was just 12 years old, just a couple of weeks past 12 years old. And uh, the pastor of the church came over and says, well, God needed your father in heaven more than you needed him. This was God's will for your father to die. And did you know that that just turns a lot of people off? And praise God, I, I was young and it didn't offend me and I went on in my relationship with the Lord, but I have seen many people just devastated and hurt. And how can I ever trust God again if I believed His promises that, you know, you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Anything that you ask in my name, I'll give it unto you. And then you don't see that happen and you just assume that, well, God must not have wanted to answer your prayer. It has turned many people against the Lord. And on the opposite side of this, because I've shared the truth of what God's Word says with people, I've seen many people who believe for a healing, and there's multiple reasons. I am not going to be teaching on healing right here. But there are multiple reasons why we don't always see it come to pass. And they're so numerous, I'm not even going to start naming them because I'd leave some out. But when people know the truth that God doesn't just sovereignly make everything happen. Then if they pray for something and don't see it come to pass, they don't immediately blame God and say, God, why did you let this happen? They say, God, I don't understand. Maybe there's things that I don't know. Teach me. Uh, they ask God to give them revelation. I've seen situations where people died that it looked like they said they were believing for healing, that everything was fine. They were confessing that they were going to be healed. And after they died, their mate got their journal and looked at it and the person says, you know what, I'm ready to go home and so I'm not really believing God, but people wouldn't understand. I know I'd receive criticism, so I'm going to go through the motions, but in my heart, I'm ready to die and go home to be with the Lord. You don't always know what's going on in another person. But I've seen people that because of these truths, because I've presented the true nature of God unto them, and they know that God is a good God, I've seen people go through tragedy and instead of blaming God, they just say, Father, teach me what I don't know. Help me to understand. And they go on and they take what the Word of God reveals about the true nature of God and they don't become offended. Matter of fact, in my own situation, I've seen this happen. There was a girl that I was unofficially engaged to. I wasn't really engaged to her, but we had talked about it. And her parents, when I was in Vietnam, 
told the uh, Red Cross that we were engaged and got me to come home. And I was with this girl when she died and uh, she hemorrhaged and she strangled to death on her own blood. We prayed for her to be raised from the dead. And, um, and it was really discouraging. It was, it was a hard thing to handle. But because I knew God, I just said, Father, you did not do this. You did not cause this. I didn't have a clue why it happened. And, and it probably took years, two or three years. But when I began to really understand the Word, it was a miracle that we got as far as we did. We did everything wrong. This girl, because of the wrong teaching on the sovereignty of God, actually prayed and asked God to give her a cancer so that she could glorify God by the way she took it and didn't fall apart and didn't get bitter. And she certainly did that. At her funeral, there were four people born again because of her testimony. But see, that was totally wrong. It's, you don't pray and open yourself up. Again, I go back to that verse in James chapter 4, verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have to fight against the devil to pray and ask for a sickness or a disease to come. That is completely wrong. And Satan will jump on that and still kill and to destroy. So anyway, we have to have a proper knowledge of God. If you go out and just pick and choose how you want God to be, then let me present to you that that's idolatry. And I know many people say, idolatry? No, I don't have any idols. I don't worship any graven images. But idolatry is just making a God of your own making. You craft some image and you worship it, but whether you have an image or not, if you come up with an idea of God that isn't based on truth. It's just a God of your own making. That's idolatry. And I've heard many people say that they wouldn't worship a God that doesn't heal or a God that doesn't prosper, or they put all of these things and say, I wouldn't worship a God like that. You know what? That's idolatry. Now, I understand what they're saying, and praise God that we have a gracious, loving, kind, heavenly Father who has promised that it is His will for us to be well. He wishes above all things that we may prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. I praise God that we've got a good God, but I don't sit there and say, God, I'll worship you if you're God. I'll worship you if you do what I want you to do. No, I just go to the Bible, and whatever the Bible reveals of God, well, then that's who I'm going to worship. I am not going to make a God of my own making. And I run into this a lot. There's a lot of people that are disappointed with something that's going on, and they just say, well, I believe that God is wrong. And they establish what they think God should be like, and if God doesn't measure up to their standard, then they feel justified in rejecting Him. That is not the proper way to approach Him. Someday we're going to stand before God, and you are going to have all of your preconceived ideas taken away, and when you see the glory and the power of God, you aren't, nobody's going to go up to God and say, God, you were unjust. You shouldn't have done this. We are going to be so overwhelmed by the presence and the power of God that I guarantee you all of our gripes and things saying, well, I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this. No, you won't. When you get there and see His majesty and glory and realize how totally deceived that we've all been and how that most people just worship God in their own way, they made their own idol and stuff, you are going to put your hand over your mouth and say, Praise God, I didn't ask that stupid question, that I didn't give this stupid complaint. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the next verse goes on to say that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God is given to us to correct us, to give us instruction, and to make us perfect. We have to follow the instruction of God's Word. Praise God. I tell you, this truth about the true nature of God has changed my life, and it has changed the lives of tens of thousands of other people. This is a game changer once you understand that God is love. That's not something that He has. It's who He is. And how do you reconcile that with all of the harshness, the judgment, the wrath? That's what this teaching is about. It'll really help you. So listen to our announcer. Please take advantage of this brand new product that we have out. I tell you, it would set you free. Today, Andrew's pleased to offer his highly anticipated series, Biblical Worldview, Foundational Truths. In this series, Andrew outlines the importance for every Christian believer to have a biblical worldview. I am really excited about this brand new product that we have entitled Biblical Worldview Foundation Truths. This has been years in the making and it's different than just my typical teaching in the sense that we have graphs, charts, quotes, all kinds of visuals to supplement this. And I tell you, my uh, media department just did a great job. I think that this is one of the most important things I've ever taught. Each of the 12 lessons in this series include a video, audio file, chapter lesson, and printable PDF wrapped in a single box set containing a workbook, audio USB, and a personal access code to the online videos. Each lesson is full of supporting facts, quotes, charts, and historic visuals. Through the online platform, you'll have lifetime access to all of the videos and digital workbooks on your computer or smart device. Biblical Worldview Foundational Truths is available for only $120. Go to awmi.net to order this valuable resource today for you or someone you love. On today's program, Andrew mentioned his teaching titled, The True Nature of God. This series is available when you contact us. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. While there, you can discover more product detail and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. It's your spirit that was changed when you got born again. He was created in righteousness and true holiness. And then according to Ephesians 1.13, you were immediately sealed by the Holy Spirit, vacuum packed. The Holy Spirit has encased your perfect born again spirit. If you are committed to God and following God, I'm telling you, you're a success if you're being sold into slavery. You're a success if you've been lied about and put in prison. God is pleased with you. God loves you. He's more pleased with you than what any of us know. It was like I had no reason anymore to be sick, to have pain, to be 
fearful. I thought that I was not good enough, that God could not forgive me everything that I've done in my life. But then I came into the teaching of Andrew Womack. And I saw it on YouTube, on, a, on a, one series about the true nature of God. And it changed my life forever. And I just want to thank uh, Andrew Womack for all what he has preaching and uh, what a blessing to the whole world. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events.